0: Hey, everybody. Great to see you all today. Yeah, here we are. Woo! Are you guys fired up or what? Well, I felt a lot more fire at the first service, but it is so great to see you guys, and I'm really glad that you're here. This is our seventh week from the coronavirus, and on our seventh week, we're going to enter into even greater rest and confidence, and I'm glad that we get to be back together. Um, so much has happened in the last seven weeks, and what I believe is that the Lord really, really dug deep in each of our hearts to open our eyes to a lot of things, to prepare us more for the future, and to bring us closer together. And I'm so thankful for what He's done, and I'm so thankful to be back together in this house i'm so glad to be together with all of you and thank you for watching online thank you for staying connected and i do want to just give a praise report right off the bat we did not have any major dramatic traumatic situations happen through the entire process of the shutdown nobody got sick that and died and uh, there was no major catastrophes nobody spun out nobody killed themselves in fact Our church was even more resilient and stronger and closer knit and became more vibrant through all of this. And I want to say good job to all of you. You know, I never really was worried about how our church would do through everything because we really have strong lordship here and we really trust God and we really love Him and we were prepared for no matter what was coming our way. And some people had to navigate through difficulties and uncertainties and hardships. And let's, you know, be honest. I mean, there were some real challenges through everything that's happened. But when we know the Lord, we have confidence and certainty. And when we know Jesus, we don't walk in fear and we don't walk in worry and we don't walk in doubt. Instead, we have confidence in him. Now, a lot of things happened that I did not agree with. I did not agree with the shutting down of the economy and did not feel that it was warranted uh, for the coronavirus. That's how I personally felt. But at the same time, I was honorable and integrous to what I was being asked to do, though I did not have to be. I want to make sure you guys know that. We didn't have to shut down. We didn't have to not have church. I chose to, and I chose to because I was being spirit-led and because I believed that God wanted to do something even bigger in our community, in our nation, in the nations of the world, and in my own life. You know, I'll sacrifice six weeks of having church together if that means bringing all the pastors together of the city. Pastors have been divided, not united. And in the last six weeks, I've I've built relationships and friendships with pastors you never could have imagined I would build relationships with. Some of the largest Baptist churches in town, Episcopal churches, Nazarene churches, all different types of churches that normally I would not talk to or fellowship with or have an association with got together, banded together, prayed together, and now we're going to build relationships going forward because God wants his church united, not divided, and it'll do whatever it takes to unite us. At the same time, we saw our church become more resilient. People stayed connected via Facebook and Facebook Lives and phone calls and online, but also did things for each other personally, and you guys have been resilient and loved really, really well. Um, I've had people say, I feel like I've actually got closer to the church during this time, because they got to see and hear from people you never saw or heard from, and you saw how much we loved, and I worked hard to stay resilient and confident and bring on a diversity of people that I knew had some right answers during all of this, like my good friend Dr. Keith Rose, who really helped put some things into perspective for me, and I leaned on heavily for fact-based information, database information, and It doesn't mean that we don't take right precautions, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we all didn't know right off the bat what it was going to look like, and and even now, so many of you, most of us are sitting, you know, somewhat separate from each other, and we're not policing that or enforcing that here, but we had two services so that we could have people spread out more, and when I dismiss you guys today, I'll do it in sections, and you know, if you feel more comfortable with a fist bump or an air high five, so be it, but I'm just going to forewarn you, if you get around me, you're probably going to get a hug. I don't know what else to tell you but it's just how I am. I just can't resist it, right? And so if you just if you're going to shake a hand, just, you know, I'm I'm not worried or walking in any fear at all, but if some of you are uncertain, I want you to know we respect that and we understand it. For those of you watching online, even we even have church congregants and family members that chose to not come today, and they're watching online. And I want to say I have no problem with that. I love you. I'm so glad you're tuned in, and I cannot wait to see you next week or the week after or whenever you feel comfortable to come. I'm just letting you know you might get a hug if you get around me. Chances are probably pretty likely, all right? And so we have really weathered this storm well. It's been a little bit difficult for me to come in and see all of you not here or not see you here. But on Easter, I got to see most all of your faces and that really got fired, fired me up. If you didn't know, we had everybody's picture on each seat and I was like, that was pretty awesome. Brought me to tears. So thank you, Patty and Marlene and everybody that came up with that idea and implemented that. And uh, R.C. and Gloria one day were standing out front, and I think it was one of the first few weeks that I came out and they were holding up a sign that they loved me. I just want you to know I charged out the doors and went and gave gave y'all a hug. I was like, I was so happy to see you guys. And so here you are today, and I'm proud of you for being here. And so... Our church really genuinely has come out stronger, and today I'm going to preach a message that I believe is so poignant and so specific to what we've gone through, but what the future is going to look like for all of us. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Jesus, I thank you again for bringing us all back together. Thank you, God, for family. Thank you for strong leaders. Thank you for a strong, resilient church that has lordship, that knows you, and walks in the headship of Christ. Thank you that we're the head, not the tail. And thank you, God, that you care for us, that you're so mindful of us, and you visit us, and you desire us, and you actually crown us with glory and honor. And I thank you so much, Lord God, that we get to be the standard on earth as it is in heaven, not the government, not the world system, but rather the kingdom of God. So I love you and I thank you and I praise you for that. And thank you for everybody that's here and watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off this morning by making a couple statements. The first statement is the kingdom of God is not a subculture and Christians are not a subculture. It's very, very important that we understand that we're not a subculture. We were never destined to be weak and powerless, ever. The church was never destined to be weak and powerless, nor does the world have control over us. I want to make sure you guys understand that I could have stood against the orders that were put down by the county judge or even the president, for that matter, and have church through the last six weeks. Now, I might have gotten arrested, so what? I might have been defiant, so what? We could have done it anyway, but I chose not to. Why? Because it was the Spirit-led decision that the Holy Spirit led me to do, and there was greater, bigger purposes in the midst of it. What were the greater, bigger purposes? The greater, bigger purposes were that I'm out to affect change in my community and my city. I'm out to affect change in the government, I'm out to effect change in the White House. I'm out to effect change in the governor's house. I'm out to effect change in the mayor's house, every city council member's house, and the county judge's house. Some of them I know, some of them I don't. But what I do know is I I chose, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we chose together to be honorable and integrous for the last six weeks. And in turn, God brought unity with churches. God brought us together when there's been a lot of disunity. And we demonstrated to them that we were willing to be honorable in the context of not meeting corporately. But at the same time, we also made it clear in many ways that we weren't okay with what was happening with the shutdown of the economy and did not feel that it was the best way to handle what was happening with the coronavirus. But here we are now. And I believe that God is positioning us to walk back into the authority and the power that we're supposed to have. The church and you are not supposed to be a weak subculture. We're the standard of God on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to show that to you today. The real power to lead, rule, and have dominion and God's delegated authority was always supposed to be in his people. Always. God's plan from the beginning in the garden is that we would be the standard and the leaders to have power, authority, and dominion on earth as it is in heaven. It's an incredible thought to imagine that we are to have complete authority over all created things. And in God's love for us, he put humanity in charge of all creation and made us just a little bit lower than God himself and the angels. I'm going to show this to you in the Bible. God loved us so much that he put his people in charge on earth initially. But something catastrophic happened. And there's even catastrophic things happening today. It's an incredible thought to imagine that God would trust his people enough to put them in charge on earth. It's an awesome thought that God would be so mindful that he would entrust you and me and care for us, and visit us in a way that not only put us in charge, but also crowned us with his glory and his honor. And what was to be on earth was also to be as it was in heaven, but sadly it would only be for a very short time. Do you ever wonder to yourself, where is the power and the authority in God's church? Do you ever wonder that? Because I do. Especially as I've seen the government come in, and and even now we're still seeing it around our nation and the nations of the world where there's this overreach of authority, whether that's constitutional but more importantly biblical, to stop God's people from assembling at all cost. Which is contrary to God's biblical command. But it wasn't initially a persecution. Initially it was all of us standing together against a pandemic. But in many ways, it's turned into a persecution. So today, what I'm teaching you is who you really are, but how we navigate it, and the right way to get back to our rightful place. Because you're not gonna do it by fighting in your own strength. There's only one way to do it, and we're gonna talk about that today. But I wonder where's the power and the authority. I wonder where's the true, confident leadership of God's people on earth. Where instead of being subject to the things of this world, we're now putting all things under us or making them subject to us. God's original intent and plan and design for creation was that all things would be under his feet. Let's look at the scripture. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. So there's an age to come, there's eternity to come. The writer of Hebrews was probably talking about this day to come. And he said he didn't put it in subjection to angels, but one testified, which was King David, of a certain place, saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Who's he talking about? People. Man, in this case, would be Adam. The son of man would be all of the human race. And the writer, King David, is so fascinated. And if you actually go back to Psalm 8, this is a quote from Psalm 8. I'm going to teach you something very profound today. Do you ever go to the beach or the mountains and you're in awe of the sky? Do, you get, does that, do any of you have the Star Walk app? Because I use it all the time. The number two app really blows my mind. And I'm like, it's showing pictures of all the, you know, the constellations and I'm walking around outside. I just re-downloaded the other day and you should see me outside because we've had these crystal clear nights and I'm at all the way out on some land with not a lot of light and I'm walking around with my iPad and I'm fascinated by the wonder of God's creation. You ever ever just look at his creation and are just fascinated? Well, if you read Psalm 8, David's saying, when I ponder the heavens and I ponder all your creation, I think to myself this, what is man, go back a verse, what is man that you're mindful of, or the son of man, or, or yeah, what is man that you're mindful of, or the son of man that you take care of him? You know what it means to take care of? It means to visit. So the mindset is is you created all of the universe, the heavens, and everything in it, and it's so awesome, and yet in the midst of all of that, you love me so much that you care about me. How could you have created something so awesome, but you actually care more about me than even that? The Bible says that God cares more about you than the lilies of the field or a sparrow that falls to the ground. There's billions and billions of tiny sparrows that seem insignificant. He cares more about you than that. So the writer says, when I ponder these things, I'm blown away. Why would you care about us the way that you do and think about us the way that you do? And then he goes on to verse 7. You've made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. This word for angels in the Old Testament is is Elohim. It's a name for God. And what it's really saying, it's God and his heavenly host. You made man just a little bit lower than yourself, God, and all your angelic hosts. And then you crowned man with glory and honor. But if you actually were to read this in the original Hebrew, it says you made him for a little while a little lower. If you go read this verse in the Passion, it reads that way. But there's a couple things in here I didn't want to miss in reading the Passion Translation. You made him a little lower for a little while. Why is a little while important? Because it was given up. It was only for a little while. Adam and Eve only had the dominion and rule for a little while until they did what? They gave it up. I'm going to show you something really powerful here. You set man over all the works of your hands. So man was designed to be put in charge of everything under God's rule in the beginning. You put all things in subjection under his feet. So every single thing that was ever created was meant to be under the feet of God's people. I want you to see this. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left not one thing that is put under him. He didn't leave anything out in the beginning. Everything was originally put under Adam and Eve's feet. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Have you thought to yourself, God, where is the dominion and the rule and the leadership that the church should have? Why does the church seem so powerless and weak and a subculture and and you know just doing whatever they're told to do and... Where's the signs and wonders and miracles and all the things we read about in the Bible? Have you ever thought about those things? If you have, here's your answer. We do not yet see all things now. Why? Because of sin and its resulting consequence. What is the resulting consequences of sin? Shame, fear, worry, disobedience, unbelief, self-rule, Man that is not born again and does not know Jesus lives for themselves. It's self-rule. It's idolatry at its finest. Okay, so the reason why man gave up his relegated authority was when they when Adam and Eve compromised and ate of the wrong tree in the garden. But now I want you to look at this next verse. But we see Jesus. The greatest reason why I believe the church is not walking in the power it should be walking in now is people aren't seeing Jesus. So what God would do to answer the crisis or the collusion of Adam and Eve with the enemy would be he would send his son Jesus. Jesus would have to come and restore us back to a right relationship and give back to us what was lost and stolen in the garden. Notice it says, but we see Jesus. Jesus. God left nothing on earth that wasn't subjected to us and he gave us complete power and authority over his creation. So in the beginning, God gave us our job description and our job title. What's our job title? What's your job title on earth? It's Genesis 2.15. To tend and keep the garden, basically to be a gardener. However that looks with your job, your business, your practice, your shops, your family, whatever God has created on earth, he put you in charge to be the gardener. It goes back to the beginning. And then he gave you your job description. What's your job description? It's Genesis chapter one, verse 28. What's it say? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, reign, and have dominion over all the earth. Not over each other. We were never meant to to have to have dominion over each other, but because of the fall, we see that. Originally, God's intent was we were supposed to tend and keep his creation and have rule and reign over everything that is named. Okay, that was the job description. But what happened? You know how you lose dominion? You stop being fruitful. You know how you stop reigning and replenishing? You stop being fruitful. Most people think be fruitful and multiply means have lots of babies. Get married and just pop them out. But that's not what it means. It means become a mighty tree that's fruitful because if you're not fruitful, you can't produce seed to replenish in the earth and then have rule and have reign and have dominion. Everything is reproductive. God wants the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And to be reproductive means you have to have authority and power on earth to take charge and lead and be an authority. That's what it means. And we have people that stop being fruitful. We don't read our Bibles. People don't go to church. They're not born again. They're living for themselves. They're living in sin and compromise. And what's the result? Broken relationships. One out of two marriages end in divorce. Suicides every 12 minutes. 80,000 opioid deaths last year. Fear, worry, torment, lies, deception. It's all a result of sin. Do you guys see that? But the bigger issue now for us is, do you see Jesus? Because if you don't see Jesus, you won't understand the answer, and you can't be put back to your rightful place. Hence the now we don't see all things that are put under him. A little while should have been an eternity. Man, Adam and Eve should have reigned for eternity, but because of their compromise, God had a better plan. It was lost in man's collusion with the devil. You know what collusion means? Do you know what it means to be in collusion with someone? To be in collusion is a secret or illegal cooperation or a conspiracy, especially in order to cheat or deceive others. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm not a cheater. I'm not a deceiver. But if you're not born again and living for Jesus, you are ultimately in collusion with the enemy. There's no neutral ground. There's no demilitarized zone in the kingdom. It's either you're in his camp or you're in the enemy's camp. I'm saying that very nicely to you. There are people that will not like me saying that. But I don't care. Because what I know is if we're not honoring and serving and living for him, who are we honoring and serving and living for? Yourself. So check this out. Adam and Eve would have collusion with the enemy. God's answer to broken humanity that relegated his authority to the devil through collusion would be a cataclysmic collision. Earlier this year, I had a dream. It was right after our New Year's conference. And in this dream, I heard, I woke up hearing this screaming in my ear. Cataclysmic collision! Cataclysmic collision! Emma and Jara, heaven is invading earth! Heaven is invading earth! And I woke up. Cataclysmic collision. The word cataclysmic means any violent upheaval, especially one of social or political nature. We are in a cataclysmic situation more than ever before. There is a social upheaval happening right now. Our nation is divided politically, there are scandals everywhere there's conspiracies everywhere, there's deep state everywhere, there's lies and deception everywhere, there's people that don't really care about you but say they do everywhere. It's the world system, but I'm not subject to that and neither are you. That's the word cataclysmic. It's a, and if you think about cataclysmic in a physical geography, it's a sudden and violent physical action producing changes in the earth's surface. An example would be a deluge, a flood of biblical proportion. The flood in the days of Noah was a cataclysmic collision. The flood came and wiped everything out. In fact, did you know the word cataclysmic is in the Bible? I'm going to show it to you. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 26 through 27. And as it was in the days of Noah so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. That's these days, by the way, or the days to come. I don't know when, but these are those days. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day of Noah, till the day that Noah entered the ark, and then what happened? Guess what the word for flood is in the Greek? It's cataclysmic. do you think coronavirus was cataclysmic? I would say yes. To shut every nation down in the world, it was cataclysmic. When Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all, but they weren't paying attention or listening. And man had relegated his authority in collusion with the enemy. You know what a collision is? A collision is an instance of one moving object striking violently against another, an instance of conflict between opposing ideas, interests, and factions. We're seeing that in our nation. There's a severe conflict between opposing ideas, interests, and factions, but what about between us and God? There's a huge collision that's about to happen between us and the Lord because the Lord's gonna come after his people and he's not gonna leave us and he's not okay with the church walking in anything less than what it was called to walk. Why? Because he's mindful of you. What is man that you're mindful of him? He loves you. He cares for us. Hence Jesus. Listen to this statement. Our collusion with the devil and sin led to a cataclysmic collision with him and it will lead to a cataclysmic collision on earth. Here's why. As much as I hate what's happened with the coronavirus, I chose to look at this through the eyes of the Lord and see how the coronavirus could be used for something better, like what? Restoration of family, peace, coming back to Jesus. I'm telling you right now, Some of you may be here because you've watched me on the live stream. We had people at the last service that came because they watched from the live stream. There are people that are choosing to be a part of this church because they love the way that we handled and responded. And I know people, fathers that were workaholics that were gone 12, 14 hours a day that never saw their kids, never got to be up when their kids got up or put their kids to bed that are now home being with their children and their families. Now, I hate the fact of what's happened with the uh, with finances, and some of you may have lost your job and maybe on an unemployment, but here's what I know. Mark my words. In two days, my sales are up three hundred percent. Now listen to me. <clears throat> I appreciate that. Yesterday, my sales in one day were were higher than the in, in that day, yesterday of this time, in any previous year ever, yesterday. And both my shops are blooming and blossoming back. Now my, is there massive debt? Sure. Did I not pay a lot of bills? Yes. Did I have employees go on employment? Yes. Did I have employees out of work? Yes. And I, as much as I hate those things, what I know is if you had your eyes on Jesus, you're going to come out stronger. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And what I know is this church is resilient. I'm resilient. When you know Jesus, you're always resilient. You're not in fear or worry about your future. And I trust God, even if the businesses would have had to shut down. Now, again, I think so much of what has happened with the economy is a deceptive lie. I think it was a bad decision, but I didn't force that on you. I shared some of my opinions and others did, but guess what's about to happen? We're going to come back stronger, but we better be prepared for what's coming next. And what I want is not a weak, powerful group of Christians that just follow along. One of the biggest frustrations of some of my friends is where's the church? Instead of being lions, we're all being a bunch of people. You're not called to just be a sheep anymore. You're called to rise up and be a leader and a lion and be the authority of God on earth as it is in heaven we see Jesus. Do you see Jesus? Because when you see Jesus, we understand that God puts us back in the rightful place. Okay? And so man relegated his authority to the devil, but we got Jesus now because he cares for you. He's mindful of you. Look at this scripture in Isaiah fifty-eight twelve, Isaiah 58, 12. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. That's us. And the Lord will raise up the foundation of many generations. And now he's talking about Jesus, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths or streets to dwell in. When you see Jesus, your waste places get built back up. Your broken foundations get repaired. The breaches, you know what a breach is? You know what a breach is? A breach is a break in uh, in a contract. It's a breach of contract. In our case, it was a breach in covenant. In our case, God made a covenant with us and we made a covenant with him that we broke. And that covenant is a code of conduct. It's how we live our lives. It's a break in relationship, thus a break in confidence. So when the relationship was broken, the confidence is broken. Now, God can restore that. If you've ever been cheated on, lied to, hurt, you name it, backstabbed, whatever it is, guess what God does? He's a restorer of the breach. And even if that relationship doesn't get restored, he restores your heart. But most importantly, he brings us back to, uh, to him. So he's a repair of the breach. And he's a restorer of the streets to dwell in. He's a dwelling place. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, meaning that he's the journey. Jesus is the journey. But the question is, do you see Jesus? When we see Jesus who suffered and died and tasted death for all of us, then we realize he already went before us, and so now we don't walk in fear of death, but rather we're crowned with glory and honor, and we trust God no matter what, ha- what happens, What does it mean to be crowned with glory and honor? The reason why people don't see Jesus is they're looking at themselves. Let me ask you a question. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? You see yourself. But Jesus said, when we behold him, it's like looking in a mirror and seeing him in us, and now we're transformed into the image we're looking at. If all I'm doing is looking at me, I just look like me. But I don't want to just look like me. I want to look like him. I want you to look like him. I want you to act like him. I want you to sound like him. This is the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So he says, when you behold Jesus, it's like looking in a mirror, and you become transformed from glory to glory into the same image that you're looking at. So you should be growing into a greater glory in the image of God on earth as it is in heaven instead of looking at yourself. But when do you spin out? When do you fight? When do you disagree? When do you constantly live in torment and dissension and sin and shame and all those things? When we're constantly looking at ourselves. So James would say in in James chapter 1, he'd say, anybody that hears the word and doesn't do it is likened into a man who looks in a mirror and when he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. Why would you have just looked into a mirror and forget what you look like? Well, in, the, in a spiritual context, it's because I'm not doing what He tells me to do, and when you don't do what He tells you to do, guess what happens? You forget what you look like, or you never know what you look like. See, for me, before I got born again, I was the coolest party guy, Grateful Dead, drugs, alcohol. I was. I had nicknames. I had an image that the world put on me, and that I thought was my own image. I had a self, a broken self-image. But when you get born again and you see him, you now turn into the image of what you're looking at. So when, when uh, Habakkuk says, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, what is he saying? You're the glory of God. You will now represent God all over the earth as the water covers the sea the way you were intended to. See, what God wants to do, he's got something better for you. He wants to bring you back To your rightful, confident authority on earth. So when the next coronavirus happens or the next persecution happens or the next whatever happens, it doesn't matter because my life's not my own. So Jesus already tasted death for me and God crowned him. Now notice this says about Jesus that God crowned him for a little while a little lower than the angels. When? When he was a man on earth. But his little while already ended. And ours can end too. His ended when he resurrected from the dead. So now he lives. And so when you see Jesus, when you know him and you're born again, what happens? I'm now crowned with glory and honor because he lives inside of me. Let me tell you something. I love signs and wonders and miracles in the supernatural. I love casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, praying in tongues. I get really excited about the stuff. I want you to know. And a church that doesn't have power is a weak, powerless church. We have a form of godliness, but deny the power. You have to have the supernatural in your life. Why? In fact, earlier in this chapter, it says that signs and wonders and miracles validate your ministry. Otherwise, you're just a nice, good preacher with words of men and no no miracles. I don't want to be a nice preacher. I want to be a man full of power to bring healing and life and deliverance to other people's lives. So signs and wonders, Mark chapter 16, confirm the word, and and then they also validate our ministry. But the real power and authority on earth is not that. The real power and authority, if I just was walking in the supernatural all the time, I might get a lot of followers and become famous, but I won't change nations. Because the real power and authority is not the dunamis power of miracle working. It's the exusive power, meaning God is relegated to me and to you. I'm sorry, delegated to me and to you. We're ambassadors to be in charge. You are called to be in charge on earth now. This is a confidence that changes cities and nations. (laughs) Now the miraculous can get the attention of world leaders. And we need it. But you're called to be in charge with Jesus. Let's say it together. Say, I'm called, I'm called to, be to be in charge with Jesus. With Jesus. So the, the world's not in charge of you. The, the government is not in charge of you. Jesus is in charge of you. So like I said from the beginning, I could have said, you know, screw it. I'm, we're meeting. Yeah, I could have. But there was a better way. And mark my words, we're going to stand together, and we're going to learn from this, and we're going to grow stronger. But the way you're going to grow stronger is, are you going to step back into your rightful place that Adam and Eve lost in the garden? Are you? Are you going to be the head and not the tail? Are you going to be crowned with glory and honor? Are you going to walk in the authority by keeping your eyes on Jesus? And understanding no matter what happens, see, some of you, if you read on in Hebrews chapter 10... Chapter 2, it says that Jesus came to break you out of slavery. What slavery? So when it says that he tasted death for all of us, what does that mean? If you read on in the chapter, it says that he came to set those free who were in bondage to death all their life. Some people and some of you that are watching and some of you that might be here have been terrified of dying, and I'm not. I don't want to die I want to be with my kids a long life. I want to grow really old with my family. And I believe that that's going to happen. But if I did die, number one, you better throw a party and celebrate. Number two, you better you better pray that I get raised from the dead also. Number three, you better carry on the torch of the legacy that's in, been in my life and in Jesus's life for my family and my children. That's what I would want. Carry on the messages and the promises and the words and the, everything i 've dreamed for now i don 't believe i 'm going to die, but i 'm not afraid. you know I called pastor or I called Brad McClendon a while back, and somebody gave him a word that they had a, a dream or a word of knowledge, and it says, Your time is up. your time is coming up. now you could read your time is coming up in a lot of different ways. it could mean all your hardship's coming to an end, your time's coming up the, But it also sounds like you're going to die, right? So Brad says, somebody gave me this word. Your time's coming up. I said, does that mean you're going to die? And Brad goes, I hope so. I said, Brad, don't say that. I love you. You're my dearest friend. He goes, goes, I'm not afraid to die because I love Jesus. I'm yearning to be with him. You know, the Bible talks about a yearning to be with him fully, like joined together with him absent from the body. But while we're in the body, we yearn and long to be together with them, but we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantor. Why? Because you have work to do. Let's all say this together. I have, work to do. I have work to do. And some of you are out of your design. You know what happens when you're out of your design? You're out of your mind. When you're out of your design, you're out of your mind. What's your design? Rule, reign? The, the Garden Commission is the Great Commission. So check this out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 or 19, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. What does that mean? It means go into all the world and put everything in subjection to you. Now, some people aren't gonna listen and I'm not gonna dominate them, but I have authority to reproduce and cause people to experience real life instead of depression, anxiety, fear, or just living for yourself and being a nice person. We don't need a bunch of nice suburbia Christians. We need aggressive, powerful, militant, authoritative, subduing. Check it out. I'll just show you the scripture. What did did the writer of Hebrews say? He didn't leave one thing that was not subjected to man. But so many of us are subjected to other things, fear, worry, sin, even the government. Look, I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. Now, biblically, we're commanded to honor our authorities, even when they at times tell us not to do things that are right. Like I still pay taxes that gets used for abortion. Do I like that? No. In fact, so much of the money that I give is wasted to stupid things given all around the world and dumb. And, you know, I'll just leave that alone. But you know what I'm saying? Like so much of my money is used for dumb things. But you know what God says about that? You're so worried and freaked out about your finances. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. What does that mean? If you live righteously, then literally the world's wickedness is going to pay you. There's probably right now an atheist buying a cup of coffee from my shop right now. And I have no problem taking their money. No, I'm really serious. And here we are, there's a world shutdown and all this catastrophes of your jobs. And some of us should have never worried because your trust wasn't in your job. If my shops had to close, then God would have made a better way. How much lordship can you have as much as you want? And instead of being weak and powerless and addicted and depressed, and all the things that cause you to be subject to the things of this world, you should be walking in authority and power. I don't deserve anything I have. I was in prison. I was on the streets. I was a drug addict. I was living for myself. And today I have the most awesome family. I have an incredible piece of property that was only a God thing. I've got chickens and quail, and I'm going to get donkeys tonight. I don't even know what's happening in my life right now. I'm not kidding you. I don't, it's all my wife's fault. It's all her fault. But what I'm trying to get you to see, I know it's a weighty message, is who you are and who you're supposed to be. You're not little sheep that just follow along. Now, we can be his sheep, but some of you are being the world sheep. Stop it. And everything has to point back to Jesus. But we see Jesus. Are you seeing Jesus? See, because I can be right and not be righteous. I can stand up for a cause and it not be Jesus. I could have had church all in the name of the Bible and it not been Jesus. You guys got to see this. But we're not weak and passive. You are full of power and might. And this church is covered by the blood of Jesus. I get it. All the news reports of the churches that, you know, 11 people died of coronavirus, and the choir met, and a bunch of people died, and that breaks my heart, and I hate that. But their life wasn't their own anyway. So we think it's such a sad tragedy. Well, it's not when you see eternity. And I don't want any of y'all to die, and, I'm not, and I don't have any problem with you wearing face masks, not handshaking, not high-fiving, and not hugging, and social distancing. And we're even going to dismiss in sections, and some of you can go out the side door, and we got everything spread out, we spread the rose out. I even sacrificed worship at the altar today. I mean, what in the world? But the point I'm trying to make to you is I'm not in fear, and we're covered under the blood, and we make, make some right choices and decisions that are spiritual but we're not compromising who we are so we don't see all things that are made subject to him and his family the bible just told us that but guess what i believe we will and through jesus mark my words when storms come we become eagles or we become lions And I did the best that I knew to do to be strong and bold and not hype it up, but bring good messages that brought comfort. And I've had more people that have reached out and said, man, I leaned on everything you said throughout this whole time, and it really helped me to get through. And I hope that some of you did. But more than anything, I want you to lean on Jesus. You know that. So when you think about the fact that heaven's invading earth, you have to look, listen, pray, and be ready for the unexpected cataclysmic collision. Let me tell you what I believe an even bigger thing's gonna happen. I believe we're gonna see revival all over the world and in God's church. I believe you're gonna see a restoration of the mighty, the bold, the confident, and the powerful and you're gonna see signs and wonders and miracles like you've never seen before. I believe heaven's about to invade earth. I had the dream. I know there was already a cataclysmic collision but I think an even bigger and better one's gonna come and I want you to be ready. Do not be like in the days of Noah, eating and drinking and marrying and living my life all for myself and here I am. I am building a boat, and you're like, I'm not going to build that boat. We're building a boat. Do you see it? Rock City Church and God's kingdom is a boat, and there's not another flood coming. He already promised that, but there is a fire coming. And so I've got my lava suit on. I'm going to leave you with this, and everything that I just told you, it should bring a new understanding to when the Apostle Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, and I want you to listen to this prayer, okay? This is a great way to pray for each other and a great way to pray over your own life, and I'm going to leave you with this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16, do not, the Apostle Paul says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? For the knowledge of him. Because if you don't know him, you don't have real wisdom and understanding. And that's why he says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Did you know your understanding has eyes? Don't just think with these eyes. Isaiah 11 says Jesus wouldn't even lead by what he sees in the natural. So I want to understand. Have you ever seen yourself, I just don't understand? Some of you might be listening to me, they going, I don't understand. So i pray for you that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, meaning that where there's darkness and you can't see or you're lost, ta-da, light comes. His name's Jesus, and it opens up your eyes, and you could be able to see. And he says that you would know what is the hope of your calling. I want to know what the hope of my calling is. Don't you? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So God has an inheritance that was given up by Adam and Eve, but restored through Jesus. Now Jesus gets an inheritance. That's you and me, but I also have an inheritance. And I'm grabbing onto it right now. And it didn't come from my multimillionaire blood father who doesn't talk to me. I have a multimillionaire blood father right now. Same name, Beverly Hills, Jewish. He lives in Beverly Hills, And we don't have a relationship. And I'm still believing I got an inheritance maybe coming in the natural. But if I don't, I've got a better one in the spirit. And guess what? When I leave, what's the best inheritance I can leave my kids? My land, my ranches, my stuff, my toys, my Kubota? No. All that's going to break down and burn in the end. The best legacy and inheritance I can leave for my kids is spiritual. So we can grab it back. And I want you to know it. I want you to know it. And so then Paul says, what is the exceeding, that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Now watch this. This is what I want you to see. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come, every name that is named, does coronavirus have a name? Who's above it? I don't care what you name. I don't care what it's called. I don't care what's coming. I've got a name that's higher than every other name. And what he's really saying is because his name's higher, all things are subject to him. And when you're born again, guess who all things are subject to? And where are they? Under my feet. And even if I'd have died, I'm telling you right now, I love Jesus and I'm going on to eternity. And it doesn't mean the devil won. It means that I get to already enter in to what God's already promised me now. And as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm alive, I am going to live on fire, passionate, confident, and bold, and we're going to shift cities and nations and governors and presidents. And if they don't shift, the kingdom of God will set the standard on earth as it is in heaven, the age to come. See it? That which to come. So it's time for you to step back into who you are. It's time for you to give your life to Jesus. It's time for you to know him for who he really is and stop pretending, going through the motions, living in sin, deception, or collusion with the enemy. Your collusion with the devil and sin should lead you to a collision with him. Let's all stand. Now I'm going to pray for you. If you have been in collusion, you know that John said, anybody that sins is of the devil. Isn't that crazy? I've been a Christian and sinned. And what he's saying is all sin originates in the devil's camp. And it says, you have colluded with the enemy. And if you've been in collusion with sin, lies, living for yourself, you gotta, you got to give your life to Jesus and look at him instead of looking at you. you got to come out of that. you got to step into your rightful place of who you really are so that we can fully reign and rule and have dominion and replenish the earth and be fruitful. you got to get back to being fruitful. God wants you to be a mighty tree full of fruit to reproduce sons and daughters and nations. So I'm going, who's going with me? Now I'm gonna pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, you're not born again, you backslid or you have a nice form of religion with no power, if you've given up, if you have a breach in covenant in your own heart or a breach of contract with God, I want you to renew that covenant with him right now. That's what I want you to do. So I want to lead us all together in a prayer, all right? Let's pray. Say this prayer together with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you're mindful of me, and that you care for me and you visit me. In the wonder of all your creation, you love me more than the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. God, I'm sorry for giving up the glory and honor, the positional power, that you've given me as your son or daughter. I'm sorry, Lord, for my collusion with the enemy, even in living for myself. I wanna see you, Jesus. I wanna know you for who you are. I wanna do what you tell me to do. I wanna have an accurate picture of what you look like and in turn what I'm supposed to look like. Forgive me, Lord, for being just a following sheep and turn me into a mighty lion or lioness to lead and rule and reign and have dominion. But first, Lord, bring me back to a fruitful place. I wanna be fruitful, Lord. I wanna be fruitful, God. And I wanna multiply your way. I thank you, Jesus, that you've never given up on me and that you love me. And I, thank Jesus that I can be strong and confident no matter what I face. And that I have my head not to tell. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me power to rule and reign with you. So I look to you, Jesus. I surrender my life to God. I give it all to you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. But I trust you in the future. And I have mercy on me for being stubborn, going my way, and for breaking covenant together with you. Thank you that you repair the breach and you restore my foundation build a house your way. Unless you build it, Lord, I'm going to work in vain. And I'm tired of working in vain, God. I want to build your way. So I love you. Come on, pray it with me. Say this with me. Say, I love you, Lord. I praise you. I thank you. And I worship you for your kindness and mercy and grace. And that you're always mindful of me. Forgive me, God. And set me back into the rightful place of my inheritance together with you. Now, Father, I thank you for this church, this building, the finances, the future, the people. I thank you, God, that you're positioning us for incredible leadership to lead your way and walk in the power and authority you've called us to live and walk in on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we're prepared for a cataclysmic collision of heaven invading earth now like we've never seen before. Let this house be a house of signs and wonders and miracles but even more than that, a house of your ways, a true family that walks in unity. I bless you, your children and your families, and I love you, Lord, and I thank you, God, for everyone that's been watching and is a part of this church. In Jesus' name, amen.